So this is from Luke 20, verses 5 to 38. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign they're about to take place? And he replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he and that time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. And then he said to them, nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from the heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm, and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Well, then let those who in Judea flee to the mountains, let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in the fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the moon uh, the sun, moon, and stars on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand 
and lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. And each day Jesus was teaching in the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives and all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. Thanks, Val. Well, um, it is a strange part of the Bible that we're looking at today, isn't it? Um, I was kind of thinking during the week, it's not really very sort of long weekend um, sort of material. I don't, I don't really know what a long weekend part of the Bible would be. Maybe um, um, there's that part of the Bible where Jesus cooks the fish on the beach with the, with the disciples. That's probably a bit more long weekend sort of, sort of vibe to me, but... Um, no, our passage today, it's, it's about uh, Jesus predicting terrible things happening in the world, and it's about how that day, uh, how that relates to the day when Jesus is going to return again to earth. Uh, and it is complicated. One of the things uh, that makes it tricky, and I think this is important to sort of say up front, um, is that I think Jesus is talking about multiple things. Uh, so he's in Jerusalem. Uh, this is what our series is about at the moment. Jesus had, has come into Jerusalem. He's in the temple um, teaching and having discussions. And uh, this is actually our last week where Jesus is in the temple. From next week, we're going to start looking um, perhaps more at what we would call the Easter story. So the Last Supper and the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus' trial and execution. Um, those events that took place at the end of the week. But uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's been having these discussions in the temple. Uh, and it's about... By the way, the year is about 8030 or something like that. It's about the year 30. Uh, and Jesus is looking forward and he's talking about what's going to happen to Jerusalem in AD 70. Because in AD 70, 40 years later, the Romans were going to come and Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. So uh, this is what makes the passage, passage tricky. Jesus is talking about something that was going to happen in only 40 years' time, Jerusalem being destroyed. Um, but there are also bits of the passage where he seems to be actually talking about something a bit more than that. Um, about other disasters and about what's going to happen when he returns at the end of the world. So it's tricky. It's easy to get confused. At times, Jesus seems to be talking about something that's going to be only 40 years in the future. Uh, and then other times, he seems to be talking about the much more distant future. Um, and it all gets a little bit mixed up. Uh, so it is a little bit tricky. But uh, here's what I want to say as we start as well. Jesus is talking about how to understand the brokenness and the turbulence of the world we live in. And although the passage might be a little bit confusing, um, that does mean that it's incredibly relevant for us, particularly uh, with everything going on in the world at the moment. We're very aware these days of uh, how turbulent the world is. Things like uh, the pandemic, of course, and, and disasters and, and the war. And uh, the world is a t 
turbulent, broken place. And it can be hard sometimes to understand when you watch the news and you read all about these things. Uh, hard to understand, hard to accept what's going on. Why are all these things happening? I think it's a very relevant question given the way uh, our world is today. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to see uh, what Jesus says about why the world is full of turbulence and brokenness. And sometimes people will, um, will actually argue that the brokenness of the world is a strong argument against Christianity. You know, how can there uh, be a God if the world is so broken? Why isn't God putting an end to the brokenness? And those are, those are good questions. Uh, but what we'll see today is that the world, as we see it at the moment, is actually exactly the type of world that Jesus expected. It's exactly the type of world that Jesus predicted. Jesus has an explanation for this kind of world, for why the world is the way that it is. He has uh, real answers for those who are struggling uh, with those questions about what's going on today. And well, if Jesus can help us understand why the world is the way that he is, well, that also means that he can show us how to live well uh, amongst the world's turbulence. So if we want to work out how to live well in the sort of world that we do see today, if we want to work out how to understand it and how to get our heads around it, well, this passage is for us. It's, it's a bit tricky, uh, but it is very relevant. So uh, let me give you, uh, I think, the big argument that Jesus is making today. I think this is what Jesus is saying in our passage today. I think he's saying that the turbulence of the world points to the need for things to be put right and to Jesus' return and his coming return and justice and the judgment that he's going to bring. And then that, in turn, encourages us to stand firm as we see this turbulence of the world around us. Let me say it again. The turbulence of the world today points us to Jesus' coming return, which in turn encourages, encourages us to stand firm as we see all the brokenness around us. So we're going to think about uh, the passage by thinking about those three things today. Uh, a world in turbul- turmoil, the turbulence of the world, point one. Jesus coming back, point two. And standing firm, point three. All right, so... First of all, a world in turmoil. I'm going to try and uh, explain the passage a bit more for us. We'll get it up on the screen. Um, Elia, could you actually flick it to the next slide? I um, just lost my little, um, my little thing here. Thank you. Um, let's get the passage on the screen. We'll try and get our head around it. A world in turmoil. Now, remember, I've said that the tricky thing to get our head around is what Jesus is actually talking about. He's talking about sort of multiple things, the destruction of Jerusalem, maybe other disasters, maybe what's going to happen at the end of the world, sort of maybe goes back and forth between them, maybe all wrapped into one. Uh, But it starts here. He's he's in the temple. Uh, The disciples are talking. And it says, Some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. So they're they're in the temple. Um, The temple is a seriously sort of impressive building. Um, it's, it's been there for 500 years and the disciples, it sounds to me like it's just kind of a throwaway line, you know, they're just making conversation, uh, talking about, oh wow, look at that amazing, you know, look at those amazing stones, that amazing architecture. Uh, but Jesus, he has something more serious to say. He says, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them is going to be thrown down. And that's a pretty sort of shocking thing to say uh, in Australia, we probably don't really have a fair comparison um, uh, with the temple being there 500 years. Of course, the temple was so important to them. It was the centre of Jewish life. 
Um, I guess for us it would be a bit like saying, you know, Australia is going to be conquered and divided up and Parliament House will be raised to the ground. Um, uh, I mean, and Parliament House isn't even that old, but we, we don't have buildings in our country that are that old, but um, that, that would be a pretty shocking thing to say, wouldn't it? Australia is going to be conquered and Parliament House destroyed. And so the disciples are pretty shocked and so they ask Jesus, if we can go to the next verse, thanks Elio. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? And this is maybe where it starts to get a bit confusing because Jesus sort of seems to answer the question but he also sort of doesn't. Um, He says, watch out that you are not deceived for many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Jesus seems to be saying, well, okay, don't don't worry, don't panic. Lots of things are going to happen. There's going to be war, there's going to be uprisings. Uh, People are going to come who are going to say that, ah, I know that the end's coming. Uh, But don't be fooled, the end is not going to come right away. And it's pretty complicated what he's saying, isn't it? Because I think Jesus probably does have those two things in mind. Um, you know, he's talking about the end. You know, the end will not come right away. Is the end uh, the day when he's going to return? Or is he talking about when the temple is going to be destroyed? It's not exactly clear. But his point seems to be, stay calm. Don't be deceived. Because as Jesus predicted, we do see things like this, don't we? People coming um, and saying, oh, look at the pandemic. You know, the end of the world must be only six months away. You know, we must be right there. Or, um, you know, there are countless examples of cults who kind of say they know exactly when the world's going to end and they come up with dates and all sorts of things. And Jesus' point is to warn, warn against all this. You know, watch out that you're not, not deceived. The end's not going to come right away. Evil things will happen. We should expect it. Now, if we go on again, Alio, to the next couple of verses, then uh, as Jesus continues, this is where we see he, he kind of seems to be zooming out and talking about much more global events. He says, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places. You know, he's not just talking about Jerusalem. And fearful events and great signs from heaven. Famines, earthquakes, pandemics, fearful events. It doesn't exactly sound too foreign to us, does it? And Jesus says that this is what we should expect to see. This is what's going to happen. Uh, one thing I think is true about this is that Jesus' idea here kind of does go against a little bit of modern society. We, sort of, we, we still sort of like the idea that humanity is kind of, as we rally together as, as humanity and as we educate ourselves and um, we, we, we grow together and we live more and more in peace and harmony, um, that we'll eventually get to this perfect place where we accept everyone and we put an end to violence and uh, we kind of create this sort of utopia, perfect world. Uh, and people, people have said this for a long time, people keep saying this. Uh, of course, uh, John Lennon famously sang that song, Imagine. Uh, imagine all the people living peacefully, living as one, sharing, nothing to kill or die for. Uh, but here we are, over 50 years after Lennon sang, sang that song. And the idea of humans creating the perfect, peaceful world uh, remains just that, imaginary, like he said. It's a pipe dream. There's never been any real evidence that we're moving in that direction, that things are getting better. Yeah, it might seem that way for a little while and, and there are nicer periods in history, but uh, eventually, again, you know, war, pandemic, disaster, famine. Yeah, Jesus was onto it 2,000 years ago. This is what the world is going to be like. These things are going to keep happening. But Jesus also says not to panic. The end 
won't come straight away. It's not necessarily going to mean the world's just going to come to an end just like that. Well, uh, we've got a long passage today and I want to I just quickly take you through the next couple of sections as well because it all sort of builds together, I think, to, to get our heads around the passage. Um, so, but we will skip quickly. Uh, it's helpful to see how these next sections relate. Um, yeah, that's right. Thanks, Elio. Um, in this next little section, Jesus says, uh, he, go, he goes back to the near future again. He says, before all this, you know, coming back to the, the near future again, before all this, um, they will seize you and persecute you. They'll hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. You'll be brought before kings and governors and uh, all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. Uh, if we keep going, Elio, thanks. Um, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You'll be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they'll put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. In amongst all the world's turbulence, this is what Jesus' disciples were going to face. And I think by extension, this is what we might face if we stand with Jesus. Persecution, having to stand up and speak about Jesus, defending ourselves. Yeah, for the disciples, Jesus said they would have to defend themselves before governors and kings. Uh, to us, it might be more, you know, the colleague at the office who's, you know, making a joke or something at our expense. But uh, it could be any number of situations where we do have to defend ourselves. And it's not just the authorities they had to worry about either. It's the parents, the brothers, the sisters, the relatives, the friends. Perhaps in some ways that's even a lot harder the people who are close to you, who look down on you or ostracize you because of what you believe, that might be the worst part of all. But Jesus has two encouragements. Uh, first of all, we don't need to fear. He's with us. He'll help us. He'll give us the words. And second, if we stand firm with him, we'll win life. Now, it says, says only a sentence before, they'll put some of you to death. So I don't think he's talking about um, Jesus is always guaranteed to keep us out of out of serious situations or um, certainly some almost all the disciples were put to death um, so that bit at the end stand firm and you will win life it's not Jesus guaranteeing that um, the the disciples are never going to face persecution never going to be put to death um, never going to be put in prison anything like that but what it is saying is that uh, they're going to have life with Jesus Uh, let's keep skipping through then Alio thanks Uh, and again Jesus this is what I mean when I say, you know, it's a bit unclear at different points what he's talking about, but um, here he clearly is coming back to Jerusalem to talk about what it's going to be like when Jerusalem is destroyed. He says, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Judea is, is kind of the area around Jerusalem, so when the armies are coming, let them get away. Uh, let those in the city get out and let those in the country not enter the city, for this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that will be written. And if we keep going, Elio, how dreadful it will be for those days, in those days, for pregnant women, for nursing mothers, uh, there will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the sword and be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Eventually it is going to come. Jerusalem will be destroyed. It's going to be an awful time. And as history records, this is exactly what happened. And Jesus isn't happy about what was going to happen to Jerusalem. It's only a few weeks ago we looked at Jesus breaking down and weeping over the fate of Jerusalem. He hates the brokenness of the world. He hates evil. He's devastated at it. 
And some will say, well, you know, shouldn't Jesus do more about it then? You know, why didn't Jesus put a stop to this? And the answer is, well, we're, what we're reading is what Jesus did about it. He, he did come to Jerusalem and he came to die. He came to die to put an end to evil and to open up a way to join a new everlasting kingdom, one uh, where things will actually be put right. And now we might not really care that much about the fate of Jerusalem. You know, it's just a city that got destroyed a couple of thousand years ago. Obviously, Jerusalem is, is around again these days. But uh, this idea, this, this what happened in AD 70, it might not affect us much here in Adelaide a couple of thousand years later. But uh, what I think the destruction of Jerusalem is meant to show us, I think the way Jesus is using it, is, well, as we read about Jesus predicting the destruction of Jerusalem which did happen exactly as Jesus said it would. Well, we're reminded that the fate of our world is just as certain. Jesus is saying one day he is going to return and this world will come to an end. Our second point then, remember the turbulent world. Uh, Remember what it points us to. It points us to Jesus' coming return. The destruction of Jerusalem is an example for us. But what what it's there to make us think about is the day when Jesus is going to come back. Jesus has spoken about the fall of Jerusalem. Now he's going to speak about the more distant future a bit more clearly. If we go to the next verse. Thanks, Elio. There will be signs in the sun, moon and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, we'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Finally, the time will come. And remember, Jesus said it wasn't going to come right away. But one day it will come. Sun, moon, stars, disasters, terror. And then one day it will all end. We'll look up and we'll see Jesus coming on the clouds, as it says there, coming coming to put the world right. Our redemption drawing near. I, uh, I don't know how you feel about the idea of uh, Jesus returning and, and, and one day judging the world. Uh, there are, of course, lots of Christians who would say that you know, they don't want that to happen and that's something that we don't think is going to happen. But I think my question for people who think that is, well, actually, if Jesus isn't going to come back and put the world right, well, then we do have that problem of what is Jesus actually going to do about the world? Why doesn't he do more about the world? I mean, if, if God isn't going to come back and do something and put things right, well, doesn't that actually sound like the more cruel God who will just leave the world as it is and not doing doing anything about it. Sometimes, of course, the idea of Jesus coming back and bringing justice and judgment can make us uncomfortable. And of course, it probably probably isn't wrong to feel that way. It probably should make us feel a bit uncomfortable. But if we believe that the world is broken, if we believe that the world is full of turbulence, and I don't think we need much convincing that that is the case, if we just watch the news, well, then it is... Surely a good thing that God is going to come and deal with it. In, uh, in the couple of weeks leading up to preaching a sermon, I normally go and, um, and listen to a couple of other sermons on the same passage, uh, just to sort of try and prepare my own heart and digest sort of what God might be saying through this part of the world, uh, word. And a couple of weeks ago, I listened to a couple of different sermons about this passage uh, and both of them said a very similar thing, actually. They both said the same thing. I think one, was, one of the preachers I was listening to was English. I think the other one was American. But they both said the same thing. They both said, well, 
in the Western world, you know, we're in a time of peace and prosperity and our lives are good and <coughs> it, can, it can be easy to forget that we're in a broken world and so it can be hard for us to sometimes feel that need for Jesus to return. And both preachers are kind of thinking about, well, you know, we need to remember that in other parts of the world it's, it's not so good, you know, things are harder. But And I was listening to this sermon, I think they were both from you know, a few years ago, and I was thinking, oh, I don't know if you could say the same thing these days. You know, I'm not sure we're the same after going through the last couple of years. Yeah, of course, COVID is the big thing, but you know, now, last few weeks, there's another war, um, there's been upheaval in various places, things, ha- things have changed. I think we're probably a bit more aware than we have been for a long time that the world is broken. It's probably a little bit easier for us to long for that day when Jesus will come back. And yet, of course, you know, on the other hand, we are still here in Adelaide and, you know, the war's still a long way away on the other side of the world and, um, you know, our earthquakes are just something to laugh about and post memes about, uh, not seriously dangerous. But put it this way, if we were gathering together today in maybe the Ukraine or uh, if we were gathering together today in Afghanistan or parts of Africa or India or North Korea, well, we would be longing for Jesus' return, wouldn't we? We'd be praying hard for it. Uh, the point is that we should be careful that we don't let the peacefulness of the place we live uh, cause us to forget how broken this world really is. Because I think it's when we understand just how broken this world is that we see clearly the need for Jesus to come and put things right. And the good news is, is Jesus is definitely coming. Uh, he tells this little story about the fig tree, if we, if we go to it. Thanks, Elio. Thank you. Um, Remember, it's coming up to Passover in Jerusalem, so it's... Um, uh, one more, one further, Alio. Uh, remember, it's coming up to Passover in Jerusalem, so it's Easter time. Um, and in the Northern Hemisphere, Easter time is, of course, springtime. Um, so the leaves are coming out on the trees, and Jesus looks around and he says, oh, look at this fig tree. Uh, look at all the trees. You know, when they sprout leaves, you, you can see for yourself and you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Uh, we have a fig tree in our backyard. I've got a photo of it here for you. Um, actually, it's our neighbour's fig tree. It's just over the fence, but we, uh, we help ourselves. Um, here's me picking a fig tree this week. Figs are ripe at the moment. If you go to the next one as well here, Alio. Here's our daughter, Eleanor, eating a fig. Uh, she loves them. There's no point to that. I just you know, thought we needed to pick me up after a hard passage. Uh, we can, go, we can go, back to the, uh, go back to the tree. Thank you. Um, of course, we have it a bit backwards here in uh, Adelaide, don't we? You know, because it's, it's autumn now, and soon these leaves are about to start turning yellow and, and start dropping off. But yet we still, we still kind of know what that means, don't we? We know that the seasons are changing. Uh, our older daughter Lucy goes outside and checks almost every day to see if the leaves have changed yet because she knows it's autumn. And to Jesus, the point is clear. As you see the signs, as you see the turbulence of the world, you know, pandemics, wars starting, as we see those things, like we know what it means when the leaves start changing, well... We should also know what it means when we see those things in the news. Uh, It should remind us that Jesus' return is getting closer and closer. And the point is not that we can sort of guess the time when Jesus is going to return or we can sort of graph out how many different world's events are happening and sort of work out that we're getting to uh, the time when Jesus might be going to return and kind of work out it must be in the next X number of years or anything like that. That sort of stuff's kind of completely the opposite of what Jesus is talking about in the passage today. He's saying, you know, that turbulence is always going to be here and we don't know when the end's going to come and it's not going to come right away. Um, so we shouldn't get carried away by all that sort of stuff. But uh, the point really isn't about the exact timing. What the point is, 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 is about inevitability. 
we know that Jesus' return is coming. It is inevitable. And of course, it is getting closer each day. It could be, it could be very close. It could be you know, coming up soon. It could be thousands of years away. But it is coming. And as we see the turbulence of the world around us, we should let those things, those world events, remind us that Jesus' return is getting closer. And that Jesus' return also, it's exactly what this world needs. The world is in a deep, dark winter, but summer is coming. The leaves are starting to come out. Summer's going to be here soon. Now, if we just go to the next verse as well, Alio, we'll, um, uh, we'll get to our last point in a second, but uh, I know this is one that um, people have questions about. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and so there are lots of kind of technicalities, I think, in today's passage, uh, bits that are a little bit confusing. Uh, so sorry, it's just that kind of, um, kind of passage. But sorry, uh, you've just gone a little bit too far earlier. If we just go back, I think it's verse 32. Here we go. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. It's this bit here. Uh, Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Uh, and of course, you know, it's a bit confusing, isn't it? I know, uh, I, know I find it uh, a bit confusing, that little bit about this generation. Um, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. It almost makes it sound like uh, Jesus thought that the end of the world was going to come in the lifetime of the people who were there um, with him back in, back in AD 30, but that's not what he's saying. Um, I think that I read about this this week and I've done some research and thinking about it. Um, as a, I think there are two kind of really obvious possibilities to how we should understand this verse um, and different academic smart people go either way. So um, I, I don't particularly know which one's the stronger one so you can decide which, which idea you like for yourself. But um, the first one is some people say, well, when you look at that little phrase, uh, this generation, uh, when you look at that little phrase, um, Jesus is probably not talking about just how we might think of a generation like Gen X or Gen Y. Um, he, he's possibly thinking about the age that we live in. See, and he's just talked a couple of verses earlier about the age of the Gentiles. So he might be sort of saying that, you know, this age will not come into an end uh, until, the, until the day when Jesus returns. And that um, is certainly a legitimate way to translate that, that little word that, um, that we turn into this generation. Um, so that could be one way of understanding this little passage. And, and the other possibility, I think... Um, is that we've already seen that Jesus is sort of he's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and then he's also talking about the end of the world. I think it's entirely possible that Jesus is talking about, here again, he's talking about Jerusalem's destruction. He's saying this, this generation's not going to pass away um, until they see Jerusalem destroyed. And of course, that's true. Lots of the people who were listening him, to him that day would have still been alive in AD 70 when they saw Jerusalem destroyed. Um, so they're the two ways that I would, I would say would make sense of that passage um, I think they're both really valid, so um, you can let me know which one you think is the right one. But uh, let, let's, get, let's go on then. Let's, um, let's get back to our, our main points. We've talked about the turbulence of the world, and particularly the example in the passage today is, is the fall of Jerusalem. That's the particular example of the, the turbulence of the world. Um, but the turbulence of the world, more generally, it points us to Jesus' return. We need Jesus to come back. Jesus is coming back. He needs to put this world right. And so point three... Our response is, as we remember Jesus' return, where we're reminded of the need to stand firm in Jesus. Uh, so if we go on again, Elio, three more verses I want us to quickly look at, uh, verses 34 to 36. Jesus says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with cruising, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. 
uh, be also on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you, you will be able to stand before the Son of Man. There we go. Thank you. I don't know how you react when you see the brokenness of the world around us, when you put up the news and you see more headlines about the Ukraine or, um, or COVID or other things, or um, perhaps when things closer to home happen, tragedies or hardship. I don't know how you react to hearing about all that sort of stuff. Uh, and Jesus here talks about a couple of the ways we might react. He said, you know, we might feel totally weighed down, like we can't cope with how awful the world is. Or he says, you know, we might find ourselves just getting into things like carousing and getting drunk and just sort of living that party life and just trying to sort of forget that the world is a bad place, just sort of turning off the news and spending all your time on holidays or, you know, hanging out at parties and uh, just pretending the world's a happy place with your friends. It's nice to celebrate, nice to spend time with friends and certainly don't have to watch the news every day and it can get a little bit depressing if you do, but what Jesus is saying here is he's saying that whatever you do, well, the day that Jesus returns, it is going to come on everyone just the same. Whether you're sitting there wallowing in sadness, whether you're living it up at a party and trying to ignore everything, whether you're one of those people who anxiously watches the news every day and you know, reads every news blog and tries to keep track of everything, Either way, Jesus is going to come back and his return is going to come to all of us. And Jesus says that we need to be ready, watchful, ready to stand with him. Uh, it doesn't mean, of course, that if you know, Jesus comes and he happens to come at a time when you're out to dinner and you've had a couple of glasses of red that um, you're in trouble because you're not ready. Uh, the way to be ready for Jesus is that you have your relationship with him sorted. You know that your trust in Jesus is, is there. You know that you rely on Jesus. You know, that you're willing to speak up for him even when maybe some of that pressure and persecution comes like we spoke about earlier. And we spoke last week about the need to know that we're weak and that we do need Jesus. And we heard about those Pharisees who um, thought they could stand before Jesus because they had those fancy robes or they had their special high positions. Um, you, know, you know, in our family, we, um, we quite like the beach. Uh, when we go to the beach, you know, we often get into building big sandcastles and I always like to uh, build that sandcastle that's kind of right where the breaking waves are just going to reach so that you can get a cool moat or something. Um, uh, over summer, we were away at the beach for a couple of days and, uh, and we went and built a sandcastle. And I remember the next morning, um, we built this awesome sandcastle, gone back home, spent the night. Um, and the next morning, Lucy, our daughter, saying, oh, can we go see the sandcastle again this morning, Dad? And of course a sandcastle next to those breaking waves, the tide's coming in, there's no chance that sandcastle's going to be there the next morning. Well, trying to stand before Jesus based on your own morals or your upstanding position or your own abilities or something like fancy robes, it's like, it's like being that sandcastle. It's like being that sandcastle trying to stand against the force of the big waves coming in from the sea. Uh, when Jesus returns, everything that doesn't stand with Jesus will be simply washed away. Jesus' kingdom is an immovable force and the only way to stand before Jesus is to stand with Jesus. So how should we respond as we do see the turbulence of the world and are reminded of Jesus coming again? Well, we respond by continuing to trust Jesus, continuing to live faithfully before him. I think that means when we see the brokenness of the world around us, you know, we should be sort of uh, alert but not alarmed maybe or you know sad but not surprised brokenness is hard but we do know that brokenness is going to come it doesn't mean that things are beyond jesus control that things have gone off the rails that the plan's ruined this is the world we live in 
And our hope shouldn't be in this world. It should be more and more in Jesus and in his coming kingdom when things will be put right. And as we see those terrible things happening in the world, we should learn to more and more be adjusting our trust so it's in that world that's going to come because we know that this world is not one to put our hope in. And of course, the other way we should react when we see turbulence in the world is we should be reminded that uh, Jesus is going to come back and so we should tell others, we should speak up for Jesus because we do live in a world of brokenness. We live in a world that's actually struggling, struggling to deal with brokenness. I've seen lots of articles the last few weeks about how do we... How did this? I thought war was going to be behind us. I thought humanity was going to not do these stupid things anymore. We live in a world that wants justice, that longs for peace, that does want things to be put right. But tragically, we live in a world that thinks it can get there under its own strength. It's like trying to put your hope in that sandcastle at the beach. Our world desperately needs to know that there is real hope, but real hope is found in Jesus and in the kingdom that he's going to bring about. There is a solution to the brokenness around us. Justice is going to come. Things are going to be put right. Evil will be dealt with and will be punished. I think people need to hear that message. Our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues, I know it can seem scary to uh, be ready to speak about that sort of stuff and open up when people have questions and talk about this sort of stuff, but Jesus promises to give us the words to say in those situations. This promise doesn't mean we can have the answer to every technical, tricky question, but it does mean that he will use our words, however afraid or you know, maybe not very confident we might feel. One of the questions we've asked today is, why doesn't God do more about the brokenness of the world? And we've said, well, actually, he has done something and he is doing something. He's, he's come and he's come, going to come again to make the world right. I believe one of the reasons that brokenness and turbulence is so prevalent still in the world today is that God is continually trying to show us that this is not the place to put our hope. And we might ask, well, why doesn't Jesus come back sooner and just deal with it and, and, and come and put things right straight away? Well, the answer is he's not slow. He's not waiting around because he can't be bothered. The answer is he's giving us time. He's giving us time to tell as many people as we can. While we wait for his return, our job isn't to sit around and, and enjoy each other's company and twiddle our thumbs and wait for him to come back. We're here, our church is here, so that we might use this time to keep telling others about him and the hope that's found in him and how he's going to come back and make this world right about how the turbulence in this world isn't going to last forever and why that's great news if you're willing to stand with Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you today for your word, even, even parts like today's which are tricky and hard to get our heads around. Uh, but we thank you that as we sit here in a world that is turbulent that is full of brokenness brokenness on a world scale brokenness on a personal scale we thank you that you sent into this world jesus we thank you that he died that he's willing to die to deal with brokenness and that he's going to come back to make all things new help us father to stand with jesus help us to keep standing with jesus and as we see those hard things in the world help us to be reminded that he is coming back just like Jesus talked about the destruction of, of Jerusalem and said, this is a reminder that I'm going to come back one day and put things right. Help us to have that hope in Jesus and in his return and to keep telling others about that great hope that we have in him. Amen.